hello, everybody in Screen Thoughts. It's Lalu and Justine again, Hollister here, to talk about a very exciting new show. And rather than introduce it, I'm going to start. It's a very, very exciting time. A number of years ago, O'Toole and I talked about the golden age of television and how television was sort of out succeeding screen film thoughts. I don't know if you remember that, Lalo, or not, but uh, we really felt that TV was coming on strong. I mean, you had to agree back then, too, right? Yeah, and it's even better now. I know. Well, but for me, I feel like we've now transcended, and I want to redub it as the coming of powerful women stories on television. You know, not only is the quality of TV, I think, outweighing the screen in some cases, But in addition to that, women are really finding a place, and it's because we're taking more and more control of both directing, writing, producing, and as a result, we're going to see a show that Apple TV, and we've got to keep in mind that Apple TV just launched their own streaming series to start competing with Netflix and Hulu and everyone, and Apple TV opened with The Morning Show, which is produced by uh, Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston, both of whom have the full starring roles. And we're just going to start just because we can. We're going to start with a lecture that Jennifer Aniston is giving to the hierarchy at the newsroom in the major network that she works for as a morning anchor. And so we're going to roll that here, and that's where we're going to start. You? Immediately. You have placed us in an impossible situation. You have embarrassed yourself. You have done something unforgivably selfish. And for what? To what end? I find myself wondering if we can even trust you with the privilege of being on your Are you done? I'm sorry. The part you guys never seem to realize is that you don't have the power anymore. The news division is held up by my show. And the only thing keeping us afloat is me. Because guess what? America loves me. And therefore, I own America. It seems pretty fucking simple, but so easy for you guys to forget. Are you actually trying to justify your actions? I'm not listening. I don't need to justify anything. You all are so convinced that you are the rightful owner of all of the power that it doesn't even occur to you that someone else could be in the driver's seat. And so so we have to just gingerly step around your male egos in order to not burst this precious little bubble. Well, surprise! I'm bursting it. We are doing this my way. Because frankly, I've let you bozos handle this long enough. Not the apology you're expecting. Okay, so Lalu, when you heard her give that, what was your emotional reaction to that? Well, that's definitely the best uh, monologue of the show, at least until now. 
Yeah. Uh, impossible yeah. not to get excited with that. But I think that in general you like the show better than I did. I, I'm not 100% convinced about it yet. Yeah. Well, I, it, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get into that for sure. But let's start with what the show's about. So the show is about a morning show where there's a woman and a male co-anchor. And the woman is played by Jennifer Aniston. Her name is Alex Levy. And Steve Carell plays Mitch Kessler. And Mitch Kessler is clearly based on Matt Lauer. And he is removed from the morning show an hour before the show begins for sexual misconduct. And then we go into a whole series of things that are happening around how he's going to be replaced and what happens to Jennifer Aniston and all this. And she sort of realizes that they were probably going to replace her. So she decides she's going to take control of the show. So it's based in part on what was happening during the Mottlauer removal time. And everybody is comparing the show to Aaron Sorkin's The Newsroom. Did you see that connection? Well, there is the obvious connection that they are both about TV journalism, but I I don't think that's the best connection. I think The Newsroom, which is way better, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, it, Yes, but it's Aaron Sorkin, so how could it not be? <laughs> but anyway, it's it's a show about journalism and about politics, really. And I think the morning show is about politics of show business, about power imbalances in workplace. It didn't have to be a show about a TV news show. It could have been done in any other industry, almost. So I don't think we are about the same thing. Well, I actually, I do think they are. I think they're about how news is put together, how it's presented based on what people's opinions are about how people want to hear the news. And the opening segment to the newsroom, and again, everybody who listens to Screen Thoughts knows that I think Aaron Sorkin's the best writer of our time in both television and in film. And so it's very hard to go up against something like the newsroom. But the opening segment of the newsroom Some would say, and I think I concur, that his opening segment of the newsroom is the best opening segment ever in the history of television writing. And we're going to play it for you now. And the opening segment is the anchor in the morning is sitting on a panel, and he's being asked, why is America the greatest country in the world? And his co-panelists are doing, oh, because we have freedom, we have all these things. And he's looking around, and he's realizing that he can be honest, or he can just go with his standard, I don't upset my base in any way, uh, vanilla response, and he decides to go for it. And we're going to play it here. So this is Jeff Daniels giving his response to why is America the greatest country in the world. Why is America not the greatest, the greatest country in the world, Professor? That's my answer. You're saying yes. Let's talk about, fine. Sharon, the NEA is a loser. Yeah, it accounts for a penny out of her paycheck, but he gets to hit you with it anytime he wants. It doesn't cost money. It costs votes. It costs airtime and column inches. You know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. If liberals are so fucking smart, how come they lose so goddamn always? Hey. And with a straight face, you're going to tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yet you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. And one of them is 
There is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're seventh in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, third in median household income, number four in labor force, and number four in exports. We lead the world in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are, without a doubt, a member of the worst period, generation period ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yosemite? Sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed, we cared about our neighbors. We put our money where our mouths were and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. <laughs> we were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Enough? Okay, so if you can in your mind compare Aniston's accusation to the hierarchy versus Aaron Sorkin's presentation of the position of two opposing groups of people in America, people who think America is the greatest country in the world and people who think it could do a lot better. And I and I would say that Aaron Sorkin is a better writer than the morning show's writers are. Would you start from that perspective? Yeah, for sure. But I also don't buy some of the characters of the morning show. It's not only about the writing. I don't buy Reese Witherspoon's character, for example, and considering that she's one of the main characters in the show, that makes the show a little weaker for me. Well, you know, yeah, it's funny because her opening segment, the opening segment is Reese Witherspoon having an argument at a coal mine, and I did not find that believable either. But the other problem is that Reese Witherspoon, all you see is Reese Witherspoon. She's played the same, quote, southern person position too many times, and it's very hard to separate. I mean, I see Legally Blonde in her performance. I see... Sweet Home Alabama in her performance. I don't think she's got this character down, and I don't think she was right for the role, but let's face it. She bought the product, she's producing it, and so she can play whatever role she wants. Yeah, but I think it's miscasting. I don't think it's, uh, you know, I don't know if that's the writing or not. I think that she's miscast. Yeah, but I think that Jennifer Aniston, who has, I mean, she's doing much better in this show, I think, but she has, much better material to work with. I think her character is much more believable. Even her contradictions, we see her one day making this monologue, this speech that we just heard, and then 
we see her the other day saying, I have to get out of here. I'm acting on instinct. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing. I have to go home. And But, but I, I buy that. But I don't buy that Reza Witherspoon's character, who is supposed to be a long-time TV journalist, she suddenly gets in a, into a discussion in the middle of a coverage, and someone records that, and it goes viral, and she's very surprised that that went viral. And I, really, <laughs> you couldn't tell that was going to happen? I, know, I, right? yeah, I, that I did not yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah. I didn't see it that way. You know, I felt like I thought that absolutely could happen. You know, she in the moment lost her cool. The cameras were not rolling. And by the way, a lot of people who get in trouble with things that have gone viral are because you don't realize that the camera's always rolling. But it has happened to many, many a famous person in the last few years where they did not realize someone had their cell phone on. I mean, you know, uh, it's happened yeah, to no, Donald I, Trump. And so I, I can think back to what that. I, I, what, I, what I find strange is how she reacts because she's not mad at herself. She's, she's surprised. And really someone like that would be surprised that that could happen. Yeah, and that's the whole basis of her character. That's what what is supposed to tell us who she is. And I think, I don't know, I think it's a kind of a lazy way of starting the show and creating huh. a, a reason for her to go to the morning show, to create a reason for the conflict with Jennifer Aniston character. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can forgive the show if they don't tell me <laughs> that there was something behind that. Maybe she was playing a long game. I don't know. I, I don't buy that character at all. Yeah, well, I think the way I saw them present the character, and it's presented, by the way, the writer is Carrie Aaron. We should we should say that right out of the gate. Who wrote Saturday Night Lights? And I love that show, that series. And I can definitely see some of the writing styles being the same. But here, I think what Carrie was faced with was there's got to be 10 plots going on. There's plots going on about are they presenting the news accurately? There's sexual things going on. Every single person who shows up has their own subplot. And I think she was trying to get everybody in the first two or three episodes. They they launched three episodes to start. And those three episodes clearly were setting the foundation for us to understand what the conflicts were going to be for the season. And I think that it's Reese's presentation rather than the character, because I see the character as a, a woman who has had a very, very rough life who doesn't know, doesn't have as much of a filter as you need to have to be a true journalist in today's newsroom situation. And so she's gotten herself into a number of messes. And when we start the show at the very beginning, it's just another example of how she just can't stand what she's seeing and she can't stand it, so she responds to it. And then she has this series of lucky lucky breaks. So I think that's believable. I think Reese's presentation it's just very hard you know Reese is overexposed she's been in too many products that she's put together she's on tv too much being interviewed about them and it's very hard to see her unless or they change her hair color as a different person than she is so I didn't think it was the writing or the character itself as much as it was her interpretation of it yeah maybe uh, yeah. I feel well we'll see as it goes along too whether it gets better but but you you bring up Jennifer Aniston okay first of all a couple of things Jennifer Aniston hasn't been on TV series since 1994. Yeah, she basically has one being in, uh, in Friends. In Friends, that was it, yeah. Okay. And 
you know, I, when she left Friends, I kept thinking, I think her hair is getting in the way. It seemed to me that when she was on Friends, the strongest feature of her acting was always how great her hair looked. And by the way, in this, she's still playing with it her hair. On, yeah, she's still playing with her hair on the camera. And I'm begging you, stop touching your hair. I, you don't need to point out that you've got great hair. You're always going to have the greatest haircut in TV. But you're so much better than that now. And what I realized about her acting, I think she's an amazing actor. And here's her talent, in my opinion. And her talent is that she combines her facial feature response I mean, she can individually respond with one eyebrow or one twist of her nose or one raising of her upper lip or her eye looking one direction. And her physicality, the way she moves her body when she's acting and when she's speaking, she combines that with really, really impeccable timing and delivery of lines where pausing and an extra second here make all the difference. This girl has acting chops, and thank God somebody saw it realized it and putting it on the screen. I congratulate her on her performance in this show. She's care- yeah, carrying the great. show. And it's great to see her playing someone else other than Rachel because even in the movies that she did after Friends, she was basically Rachel, like different yeah, yeah. incarnations of Rachel. And this is definitely not Rachel. So well, I'm glad to see her doing something different and doing it well. Yeah, and I couldn't help but think when then she took those movie roles, are you not getting them because all you are is your hair? Or you're not getting better roles, or why aren't you getting better roles? Because you were a pretty famous actor. And then I realized that, I, I don't know, I don't know if it was the choices she made. I don't know what roles she was offered and turned down. Who knows? But I think she's found a really good spot for herself, and I think that's pretty amazing. Now, the other thing is, Apple TV, the word on the street is that they're paying $15 million per episode. Now, this show, okay, the, the last, the one that just launched past week, so that would be episode number five, takes place in California and there's fires. So I can see that costing in, you know, in an upward land. But in general, a lot of the show takes place in the studio. We're not talking about outer space here. And so the fact that it's $15 million an episode, I have to believe a lot of that's going into the talent. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah. I saw that each of them is making $2 million uh, an episode, so... Yeah, but I mean, you know great. what? Good for yeah. them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, they are bringing a lot of attention uh, <laughs> to the show. It wouldn't be the same without the two of them, so they should be part of the profit too. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, what I thought it was interesting about the show is that it's such a me-too show, such a me-too era show. And But did you see them? I saw them talking in a couple of interviews that the, they had already signed with Apple TV, the show was still in development, was already in development, and there was no Nietzsche storyline there. And that was when all the accusations came to the TV news environment, and they decided to step back and start again and introduce this storyline in the show. And it's, it's impossible even to describe the show without mentioning that, but apparently it, it wasn't there in the beginning. Well, not only that, the newsroom did the same thing. Aaron Sorkin took real-life news events, and he brought them into the show plot lines. And this is doing it even more. And I think that's also, I think that's a female approach. I think that's Reese and Jennifer saying, hey, we're going to deal with Me Too on this TV show. And I think it's good, but the other thing is you do get this sense, right out of the gate, you know, it's Mel Hour, and you get this sense okay, now I'm getting a view of what was happening behind the scenes. And this is exactly where, quote, false news 
sort of comes to the forefront. And I think we have to remember when we're watching that we don't know what happened behind the Matt Lauer scene. We don't know what happened behind it. But And so you can't assume that this has more reality to it than it actually does. Yeah, yeah. and uh, But they, they make sure we know they're talking about him because they yeah. even have that story of him having a button underneath his yeah. desk yeah. that he can lock the door. So in case you hadn't noticed yet, they yeah. make it very clear who they're talking about there, or at least with the inspiration behind that yeah. character. <laughs> you know, I live in the Hamptons, and my favorite Japanese restaurants in Sag Harbor, and I often go, and Matt Lauer's many a night, like more than five times I've seen him, he sits at the sushi bar by himself, and he eats dinner. You know, his life was ruined by what happened, and I believe by his own behavior and the hubris of his believing that he was above it all, you know. so. And I watch him sometimes. I glance over before my dinner companion arrives, and I think... You know, what are you thinking? And then I heard out here that he was meeting with Charlie Rose and they wanted to start a TV show where men could actually talk about how they needed to learn to behave differently. And and I thought, don't you even dare think you can get back (laughs) in on the wings of your evil way. Like, it was just shocking to me. And I was more upset by Charlie Rose than I was by Matt Lauer. I love Charlie Rose, and I love the way he presented the news, and I love the way he interviewed. So I was really disappointed in all of that. But it's an interesting concept to base the TV show on, and they've already signed for the next season. It's getting mixed reviews, you know. So some people agree with you, clearly, and some people, you know, agree with me. I think it's a show very, very strong, and I think it's going to go for a long time as long as they can bring the additional plot lines in. And I, I just can't believe that we are at a point in time when women are really controlling a lot of the content of what's going up in television. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's definitely a different point of view. But I think they should get yeah. better in creating more. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I almost gave up the show. Really? I, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, I was about to give it up. And then there is that twist at the end of episode two. I don't know uh-huh. if you remember what it is, but I don't want to give any spoilers. But I had already decided that that was it. I had given it a chance. Really? Two huh. episodes. Uh-huh. I had way more interesting things to watch and do. And then there is the twist at the end of the show, at the end of the episode. And I said, okay, <laughs> I think I'll stick with it for a little longer and see where this is going because it looks like it may get better. But I well, I think it was disheveled. I think those first three, they launched the first three episodes, I think, and that was laying the foundation. I think they had too many plots. I think they had too much information to put out there, those first three shows. And I think they didn't layer it in well. And I think the transition from scene to scene didn't go well. I think there was like, okay, you need to know this, and you need to know this, and you need to know this, and you need to know this. And now I think we've got all that done. And so now I think things are unfolding in, a, in an interesting way. But, but the other thing I like about both these female characters is they really know their strengths and they know their flaws. And I don't think either one of them is really apologizing for them. I'm so glad to not hear women say, I'm sorry, but, you know, which, by the way, easily the Reese Witherspoon character could be doing because she has made some faux pas mistakes as she launches into a national recognition that she didn't have before. But I love that both of them know, they know where they're strong and they know where they're weak and they really try to play their, to their strengths. And I think especially in business, when people are working, the women that I see most successful out in the world are ones that don't try to 
work on their weaknesses all the time, but rather spend much more time working through their strengths and finding somebody else to pick up the pieces for their weakness. So I love that about them. I think if you watch them, they are unapologetic, but certainly acknowledge the places in which they need, they could be doing better. Yeah, and I like your relationship because I think it's based on a dilemma that I'm not sure Alex Levy will ever solve. Alex Levy's Jennifer Aniston's character because she at the same time needs Bradley Jackson to do well because she basically forced Bradley on the network and she announced her in the split-second decision and obviously at the same time thinking that she could control Bradley, which not yet clear she can. So she needs her to do well, but at the same time she knows she can basically be her replacement. So she also doesn't want her to do well. So it's it's an interesting interesting relationship because yeah. it's an impossible dilemma. Well, we didn't really introduce that well at the beginning, but what she's referring to is that Jennifer Aniston, when Steve Carell has to step down, Jennifer Aniston's in a panic, and she brings Reese Witherspoon in and announces to the world that this is her new co-anchor before the network has agreed to have her be the co-anchor. So that's the dilemma she's in in terms of, all right, I brought this woman in, now I need to make it work with her, and it's not being easily done. But the other thing I like about their relationship is that it's honest. They're not Skyping behind each other's back. They're staying into each other's faces. And every time Reese Witherspoon challenges Jennifer Aniston or Bradley's challenging Alec, I love that it's directly, and I I can't stand it when my gender goes behind each other's backs and can't wait to sort of falsely elevate themselves by complaining about somebody to someone else. So I like that both of them have strength of character where they're going to say it to your face rather than behind your back. Yeah. So just going back to Aaron Sorkin, that there is one scene in, in that show that really, really reminds me not of the newsroom but of the West Wing. Did you? Okay. Think but, about well, you know, I've all? seen the West Wing what ten times. Wait, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. No, give me the scene. The first scene, the way the show starts. Huh? Because we just they're in a bar. They're in ringing. a bar. What? No, it's a bunch of phones ringing. So. The producer receives a phone call. He he calls the male anchor's phone. He tries to reach Jennifer Aniston. We don't really know what's going on, but we know something is going on. And I kept thinking of the beginning of the West Wing where Potos had a bicycle accident where they are just calling each other and we don't really know what's going on until eventually we figure out that the president had a bicycle accident. So... I immediately thought about the lesson with that thing. It's basically the same concept. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Well, you you know, the idea of an inside track behind the scenes for something that the public is very is very aware of. I mean, that makes sense. The West Wing, the newsroom, and the morning show would all make that all that all makes sense totally. So, but you're not giving it five stars, huh? You're not. You're. Not, are you recommending people try it or no? Yeah, but if your expectations lower than I had. Uh, I think if you want to see a good show about journalism and about how news are done, or at least how it it should be done, I would say go for the newsroom. But if you want to see a more up-to-date show about this Me Too era and about power imbalance and about women uh, taking charge, then go for the morning show. It's really... 
I really don't think they're about the same thing. I just think they, they use the same industry, but I can see the morning show being done in a number of other industries. But the newsroom could only have been done in a, not necessarily TV, but it had to be about journalism. Right. The morning show right. is not. Yeah. Well, uh, journalism is just a background. Uh, um, I, you know, I, I don't agree, but I love the way you just presented it, so I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> I say see it. Lalu's sort of on the fence a little bit, but we'll see how it – and we'll revisit this in a couple of weeks because what, let's see what how where the trajectory goes in terms of the storylines, which are still sort of up in the air a bit, and we can sort of revisit in a few weeks and see if it's gotten better, better, better. Sounds like a plan. Okay. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>